You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. podcast is brought to you by Penji. I'm your host, Jonathan Gusbowski, and today we have Greg Clunas on the show. Greg is a maker, artist, entrepreneur, and content creator. He is the host, creator, and author of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, a podcast, book, and community dedicated towards bridging the gap between the knowledge of what to do and the act of doing it. His company, Tiny Ventures, focuses on creating practical solutions for self-improvement. Some of the highlights of this episode are when we talked about the words follow your passion and dream big and what they really mean to Greg is important and needs to be heard. So check that portion of the episode out. It should be relatively the first question that I ask. In the middle of the podcast, Greg goes into a story about everyday strategies that can help you accomplish more in your day. A loose quote that he mentioned was something along the lines of constantly experiment but never deviate too much. That constant need to experiment is critical to an entrepreneur and to just the business professional success. So again, that's right in the middle of the podcast. And something near and dear to my heart that Greg mentioned is having your own command center, so to speak, to create content. That ability to be able to have a place in your room, a place in your apartment, a place in your uh, your office, so to speak, where if you have an idea, you can go directly into that room in order to create content is critical. And I'm really happy to hear that that Greg has found that that serenity. Uh, lastly, the story about Greg's father. Greg's father actually passed away a, a year or so ago, and Greg made a rap album to not only celebrate his life, uh, but also to talk about some of the things that frustrated him and the thoughts that he had. And the reason why he did it was truly inspiring, nothing short of amazing. So the quote that stuck with me the most throughout this entire thing was actually, I believe, on his Twitter or Instagram handle. And I'm going to loosely quote here because he had other things after it, but I think this sentence alone was the most important. It was one of the biggest lessons I've learned from losing my father last year is the importance of family and keeping the ones you love close. You never know when you will part ways. I hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did, so let's get right to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co, P-E-N-J-I.co, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Greg, welcome to the show. Dude, thank you so much for having me. This is a uh, long time coming, but absolutely to finally be here. Yeah, totally, man. Absolutely. So before we get into the episode, we have to lay the foundation as to why we're here in the first place, and more specifically, why you're qualified and a qualified expert at that to talk about everyday strategies to accomplish more. 
Yeah. Um, it, it's been an interesting, interesting journey. Uh, so three years ago, um, roughly three, uh, I started this show, Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. And the whole idea was um, self-help is possible. Improving the quality of your life is possible. Making progress in your life is possible. If we start from those three truths, from there, why is it that most people don't do it? And, and that was the question I wanted to, to answer. Um, since then, it's turned into this massive behemoth of, of a community, a podcast, a book, uh, a, a movement, really, that is purely focused on this, this concept of practical personal development. Can you change your life? Yes, it just takes a ton of work and a ton of time and a ton of focus on, on your day-to-day -day behaviors to do so. And, and uh, I try to make it clear on the show and in the book that I'm not trying to position myself as a guru on these topics. This is purely my process of trying to improve my own life. And through following that process, you can pull things that, that help you to make changes in your own life as well. And you can definitely see that in your content too, which uh, I, I certainly appreciate uh, the genuine, the realness, the rawness. You were kind of uh, being followed or following your life as it's happening, which I, I think is kind of cool personally. I, I like that type of type of content. Um, but I, I have a question. But we're, we're constantly overloaded with these types of content, these positive messages, which is follow your passion or dream big. What do these words mean to you specifically? I mean, here's the thing. They mean absolutely nothing at all. Um, we, we've gotten to this place of personal development. You're right. It is a massive overload. In my opinion, it's the biggest problem with the industry. Uh, but thanks to tools like Instagram and YouTube and all the different content platforms we have, we've gotten to this place where you can get away with saying things like follow your passion or dream big or shoot for the stars or whatever. That is just pure fluff and never have to be held to, well, cool. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. Um, and so to me, I spent a ton of time between late teens, early 20s, searching for my quote unquote passion. And that led me to some really bad places. And what I mean is, I would find something that I was good at, and I would enjoy it. And then the minute I had a day that didn't feel easy, or that didn't feel like uh, I was just in this state of flow, all of a sudden, I would jump ship. And the reason I would jump ship is because the overarching message was, if you find your passion, things will always be amazing. You're always going to wake up happy to work. You're always going to be in this great space. And, and obviously, as you know, that's just not the case. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not the side of the message that sounds sexy. And so we don't talk about it. Um, and so, yeah, I wasted a ton of time and a ton of great opportunities walking away from things that maybe weren't my passion, but I really did enjoy and I really wanted to be doing. But I felt like, well, if this isn't my passion, I should keep searching. I, I'm curious, like, what? why do you think? I mean, you, you said in your late teens, early 20s, you have this, I, I, I guess this like, thing constantly following you to be better. Why do you think it's so important? And why do you think we live in this world where we have to find that out immediately? And I'll give you context behind it. People like Stanley, who mm. just passed away, unfortunately, was a mastermind and is the reason why 
creatives are the way that they are today because of his initial comic books. Mm -hmm. And he didn't find Marvel until age 40. So why do we have this? Why do you think we have this, uh, this, this mentality, this urgency to find out what we're passionate about? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I think in general, there is a when you are younger, and, and this is the thing that always comes up, because so many people that have created world-changing phenomenons didn't get there until they were a certain age, and, and that age tends to be a, a middle to, to older. Um, but when you're younger and you have all this energy, if you happen to be ambitious in any capacity, you're sort of constantly searching for that thing because in your mind, uh, you got it. You can you can change the world. You can do X, Y, and Z. And especially now with uh, technology, the fact that I can sit in my living room, record a podcast, and have that reach 175 different countries, that is possible. And so therefore, because I am ambitious, I'm going to go all in to try and make it happen. Now, it's not likely. Uh, it, for most people, it's probably never going to happen. But because it feels like it can happen, we end up pushing for it. Uh, for me personally, I've always been that way. I was sort of raised to be that way. I'm, I'm a, a last child, uh, the youngest in the family, by quite a, a difference as well. One of my uh, my youngest older brother is 40, I believe, this year, and, and I'm 26 for context. And so I grew up as both an only child and as the youngest child. Uh, having sort of similar experiences between the two. And so there was always this pressure of finding my place. And I think that for me, that's been the biggest driver is trying to carve my space and my place in the world. And, and by finding, or at least I thought at the time, by finding my passion, I could uh, better do that. I now know that it has nothing to do with passion at all. It's all about what you put out into the world every single day and how that then affects your ability to affect the world. Do you feel like you have this desire to constantly keep going because of all the no's or all the people that have said that you can do it? So I'm, it, it's, it's interesting, Jonathan. Um, I am so lucky. I've never had that mm. ever. My entire life, I've been told, my, my uh, parents and my siblings used to call me the millionaire child when I was five. Hmm. Like, I've been told that I can do it since the day I was born. And uh, growing up, friends, I had this ridiculous goal when I was a teenager to make my first million by the age of 21. And I remember having these conversations with uh, friends, with people who I had met recently, and bringing this up because in my mind... I need to be bold about this goal, right? If I want to accomplish it, I need to be open about it and not hide it. Um, there is not a single person that ever said, oh, that's ridiculous. There's not a single person that ever said, you can't do that. In fact, I got the opposite. I had people telling me they would be shocked if I didn't do it. Now, I don't know what it is that has uh, caused me to get that lucky, but I thrive way more on proving people right than on worrying about the people who might doubt I can do it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I like that perspective. And you're definitely on the luckier side of, of the coin. Because um, I know that there are a lot of people that 
have always been questioned and, and but I like your perspective. I, I'm curious to kind of just keep on the same path that we're going down. Do you think that there's a line between motivation and edging and educating people about self-help? Because I, I feel like a lot of self-help videos or self-help things or whatever you want to call that type of piece of content, it can be very motivational. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also, there could be an element of education. So I'd like to hear your, your take being in the world of, of self-help. Is there a line between motivation and education? Yeah, I think that uh, motivation in its various forms has a place in uh, changing the way you think about the world. Now, I always say that uh, ultimately what you want to do is change your results. That's the end thing that everyone cares about. Uh, The steps to getting there, in my opinion, is to first change your day-to-day behavior. By doing that, you will eventually change the outcome of of what you're working towards. Um, So then we have to uh, reverse engineer that as well. How do you change your day-to-day behavior? Well, it's waking up every single day and making a different choice. How do you make that different choice? Well, it's how you think about the world that affects the choices that you are you think you are capable of making. And so motivational videos, and, and uh, I'm sure you've all watched the like 12-minute mashups of different talks and stuff with music behind it. Um, those things have a role for changing the way you think which ultimately then affects the options you have available to you, the behaviors you take, and the results that that you get from it. Now, where it becomes a problem is when you are relying too much on motivation because you're just not always, it's not always there for you. It's one of those things that sometimes you can feel motivated and you can watch the videos and get pumped up and and you make it to the gym. uh, And other times you watch the videos and it means absolutely nothing and you curl up on the couch and eat donuts. and, and so if you are relying on motivation to take action, guess what? You're going to have pretty average results because motivation is not always going to be there. And therefore, you're not always going to take the action. So, it, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a perfect uh, segue to everyday strategies that allow you to accomplish more because you can read or you can watch a motivational video uh, you'll get amped up for an hour, maybe, maybe less, maybe more, who knows. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to rely on these everyday strategies. Mm-hmm. So could you expand on that? What are some takeaways that you could give the audience today where we can apply these strategies right now into our lives, into our business, et cetera? Yeah. So, I mean, it's always going to add, uh, it's always going to rely pretty heavily on what the person's specific goal is or what specific area they want to improve. Here's what I've come to realize in the three years doing this in the process of writing the book uh, in, in the conversations I've had in the community is that ultimately what it comes down to is understanding yourself. And I don't mean just self-awareness. That is important and is a big factor. Uh, but it's also understanding the different factors that affect your behavior. So, Uh, What I try to do on the show and with my content is introduce these various different fields. So behavioral psychology, behavioral economics, uh, neuroscience, so on and so forth, that have some effect on the behavior you take on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and, And this is something I find people don't think about. The larger political climate affects 
the behaviors you take on a day-to-day -day basis. The current state of the economy affects the, the behaviors you take. And I don't uh, plan to suggest that you can affect those things yourself, but if you can understand them and how they are affecting your behavior, then all of a sudden you can make a plan for it and you can work around the situations that are uncontrollable and you can control the things that you do have control of. Um, so ultimately, it's just understanding what are the different factors that are affecting uh, my behaviors, both when I take actions and when I don't take actions, what are the things that are causing both outcomes and doing more of the stuff that gets you to take the action that frankly, you already know you should be taking. Most of us have our goals and we can break that down into actions. We're intelligent people. And, and so it's not an, an issue of knowledge. It's about the gap between what we know and what we actually do. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, is there any form of technology or system that you use to kind of mm -hmm. help you get on track? Because I've written goals in the very early on of my, my business career, I've written goals on a hundred different pieces of technology and paper, but to be perfectly honest, it was really hard for me to hold myself accountable. Now, a couple, several years in, I found those ways that work best for me. So I'd like to hear your, from your perspective, like what are some ways that you are able to hold yourself accountable to make sure that you're reaching these goals? Yeah. So for me, and um, this is something I'm actually going to be start, uh, starting to talk more about on, on my show as well. Uh, I actually am not a big fan of goals as we currently think of them. I'm a much bigger fan of, um, and being entrepreneurs, you guys are, are very familiar with this term, uh, vision. And so when you set a goal, there is all of this, there's opportunity for it to not work well. And what I mean by that is the idea of a goal by itself, you can choose to get more specific and measurable and use the smart principle and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but a goal itself is not inherently actionable. There is no clear understanding of what that thing looks like. A vision though, in order to have vision, you need to spend the time to very quick, or rather very thoroughly think through what this looks like, where you are, what uh, factors are affecting you, so on and so forth. And so I start with what is my big vision for this area of my life? And I break my life down into six core areas. You have your fitness, your nutrition, your finances, your career, your relationships, and your emotional health. Um, and, and so I pick one of those and I say, what is my vision for this? That forces me to get crystal clear on what it is I want, what it looks like, what it feels like, so on and so forth. Um, from there, on a day-to-day -day basis, I use a combination of tools right now. And by the way, I'm always experimenting with this stuff. Uh, it, it's, as you mentioned, technology is only as useful as the person using it. And so if that piece of technology doesn't work with the way your brain works, then it's pointless. Um, currently... I'm having a lot of success with a tool called HelloFocus. Uh, and I, I don't know how big it is or how many users or anything like that. I sort of stumbled across it. Um, but it's a basic planner app that has a focus mode attached to it that just removes all distraction. Um, so I use that in combination with, and, and this is the uh, low tech aspect, I have to write stuff down with my hand, with a pencil on paper. I just cannot think otherwise. And so I start every day by writing out with by hand everything that I need to be doing as a requirement. So the stuff that I'm, people are expecting from me, 
uh, everything that sort of ties directly to that vision that I started with uh, and everything that I just sort of want to be thinking about in the back of my head. Uh, then I take those activities, I map them to Hello Focus, and then throughout the day, I use a uh, combination of, um, there's a few different websites that offer this, but uh, Brain.fm, for example, or mm -hmm. Simple Habit. Uh, and, and for those of you who aren't familiar, it's basically just music that's designed to help you focus. So I use a combination of that and the Pomodoro technique to keep myself in a state of focus for approximately 25, 30 minutes. Then I get up, I stretch, and then I jump back in. Um, and that's been the most successful system I've, I've uh, developed in addition to the sort of core rules for myself of not checking emails and messages and so on and so forth, typically until noon. Uh, so I stay out of that stuff as much as possible in the morning because I find that once I get in, I get distracted and my day becomes sort of a slave to what everyone else wants. Um, but but in, that that's the system that I've found to work really well. And since I've been using that in the last two or three months, uh, my productivity has skyrocketed. That's awesome. Well, it's, I mean, that's good stuff. I, I think the core, the core understanding of what you just said is you found something that works and you're doing it repeatedly and you're not necessarily coming up with new strategies. You're just fine tuning the existing one and making that better. So a hundred percent. And I will say though, once you do find something that works, don't forget that the way you found it is by experimenting. So does that mean you should experiment every single day? Absolutely not. But don't be afraid to try new tools once a month, once every other month, and just see if there could be better. Because once you get to a place where you f are able to focus and be productive, uh, the, the margin of gain on top of that isn't that large. And so that's why you should stick with your thing. Uh, but it can still happen. And so therefore, it's worth testing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's great. Great advice. Great, great segment that you just uh, that you just gave right there. Uh, I'd like to kind of ch change the conversation up um, briefly because I, I want to hear how you're able to make all this work because you, you're aware of what you need to grow. You are aware of what you need to do, but at the end of the day, you need to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So you had an agency, you, you currently have a podcast and you have this new book. How do these all intertwine to one another to be a lead magnet generation and income source for you? Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's been interesting trying to find the balance between them because obviously things like the podcast are 100% free and most of the stuff that I do is 100% is free. Um, so for a very long time, the agency was my main source of income and the agency focused heavily on helping uh, coaches navigate the process of podcasting. So we did the launches, but our, our niche, the thing that I was best at was actually growing shows and, and taking them from not doing, excuse me, uh, taking them from not doing so well to performing, driving sales, so on and so forth. Um, and, and so for a very long time, that was how I made it work is it, it gave me the uh, financial security to do all the other free stuff and build the audience and brand and so on and so forth um, and, and not have to worry about monetizing that side of it directly. But this is a key thing was that uh, they were separate audiences. And so the podcast's job in that environment was purely proof of concept. It was purely, hey, I've done it for myself. And that's why you should listen to me kind of thing. Um, 
now with the direction that I'm taking things with the book, the podcast, uh, uh, early stage speaking career, uh, core offer for that, that uh, podcast and community, uh, now I'm starting to phase out the agency side because all of the work I've done in the last three years to build that audience, that brand, understand who they are, the research, so on and so forth. Um, now that's starting to really uh, fit together nicely. And that's where you, you start to see each of the individual pieces actually adding value to each other rather than being two separate entities. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes complete sense. Uh, after doing my research and finding about more about you, I noticed a pretty stylish and really cool approach to your YouTube channel. I'm curious, is video content going to be something that you're going to be putting an emphasis on in the future? And if, if so, if not, what form of content are you going to be using in order to get your message out there? Yeah, so the answer is yes, 197%. Um, a, a big part of why YouTube has never been a bigger part of my strategy is simply because I didn't have the space to within my, my work environment to do it. Um, but I recently made the decision to move and, and now I have a, a home office and a larger space that I can keep the equipment set up. And by the way, that's a big, for those of you who struggle with creating content, a big hack for that is to reduce the friction between idea and production. And so things like having to set up your gear is a point of friction. And oh, that's 100% going to reduce the, the chance that you actually execute on that. Um, and, and so that's what I did with now I have a video studio and I have a, an audio production space and um, going into 2019 video is going to probably be the, the main uh, piece of content that I create that then strips down to the podcast and Instagram and uh, the, the content platforms I intend on dominating by the end of 2019 is the podcast, of course, that is my home base, uh, the YouTube my Facebook community and creating unique content for that, my email list and creating unique content for that, and Instagram. And between those five platforms, I, I intend on sort of diversifying my audience, but also giving additional context to my audience that already knows who I am. I think it's so important that what you just said, because, and I just want to, I just want to piggyback, so to speak, on what you said, because that friction of having your own space is so damn important. I, I really don't think people understand the importance of having a dedicated area or areas to create content because a lot of times you, you want to look professional and doing it with a white backdrop uh, or randomly in the middle of the street isn't the most <laughs> sexy thing in the entire world. It works for some people, but it doesn't work for a large majority of the people. So, you know, I, I just couldn't iterate more how important that is. So I'm, I'm really happy that you mentioned it because that's something that I'm personally going through right now is that uh, we just got a new office here at Penji. And because of it is because of that um, content is going to open up a whole new game just because mm -hmm. of that, that, that unlocking of, of that ability of just having that peace of mind, that space. So you know, kudos to you for, for figuring it out. Um, yeah, it's a massive, massive, uh, it's something that I spent the first, I spent the first two and a half years of this show, uh, lit recording in my living room next to a boiler that clicked and cranked and did all kinds of noises, um, and having to set up and break down every single time. And between you and me and, and anyone listening, 
I'm shocked that I was able to be consistent with it in that environment. Now that I have a space that is dedicated, that once I have an idea, I can immediately just exactly. switch and I'm in. Exactly. Like that's massive. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, even if you can find a way, if you don't have access to um, like an apartment with an extra room or if you don't have access to a, a, a building or, or an office or whatever it may be, find that wall and just deck it out as much as you possibly can and go to it every single day. Yeah. Um, because like what you just said, you, you have an idea, you spark, something comes to your head and you're like, crap, man, I need to, I need to do this because the, I know it's going to help people. I think it's huge. So again, kudos to you. Um, as we, as we wind down the conversation, there's a couple of things that uh, relatively personal that I, I just am curious about and, I think it's gonna make a good story as we as we continue talking. Um, but you you made a rap album, uh, I'd say three, four, maybe six yeah. months or so ago. And I I can't tell, but <laughs> but I remember seeing it and and I was like, why is this guy making a rap album? Like <laughs> I know I relatively know what you stand for. We've we've met once, but we talk on social media quite a bit. Um, you know. I know a little bit of the, about it, the background, but like what made you really start this rap album? Why did you create it and who was it for? Yeah. Um, so first of all, that reaction of why is this guy making a rap album? Uh, that's my own reaction to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something that kind of naturally developed. So I've always been a, a massive fan of music. I spent most of my, my childhood and early uh, adult life making music or being in the studio producing so on and so forth mm. um, and it's a it's a field that I don't know that I would ever pursue as a uh, standalone career but I want to be involved in in some way um, last year though on October 10th 2017 uh, my father passed away and it was one of those things as I'm sure it is with everyone that. I didn't know how to cope with it. Uh, my, my, my dad was, uh, the, the, the fact that I'm in the U.S., I was born in Jamaica and immigrated here when I was eight. The fact that I'm here and have the opportunities I do is 100% because of him. Um, it is, it's ridiculous sacrifices that I can't even really get into that he made that, that allowed me to be here. And so we were never super close in the sense that we went fishing together or through played baseball in the backyard or anything like that, because he was working. And there were, there were times in middle school where I didn't see him because he was working. Um, but there was never any sense of uh, anger towards him for that because I, I understood it. And then, so we had a closeness in a different way. And when he passed, uh, I went heads down okay, I need to take over the mantle kind of thing and make sure my mom and my sister are good and make sure that, that our family can, can keep surviving here and, and thriving. Um, and, and so for the first six months of it, I didn't take any time to grieve or deal with it at all. It was purely heads down, I need to make this happen. It happened to be when I was writing the book and I, the podcast was, was growing at its fastest rate ever. And so there was also this pressure of, Maybe I should grieve, but if I take my foot off the gas, then all of this might disappear. Um, and so finally, six months in, I pick my head up. Uh, and this, I guess, would be roughly April of 2018. 
I pick my head up and I realize I never dealt with this. And it became so clear when one night I was, I was in my kitchen, my girlfriend was with me and I have this picture up on my fridge and I was just looking at it and like, I, I just collapsed. Like my knees went out and I was just in tears. And I think it was the first time that it like really hit me that he was gone. And so I decided that I was going to find some way to deal with the emotions behind it. And to be perfectly honest, it started purely as, hey, this would be kind of cool to, to just put all of these feelings I'd had, the anger around uh, the situation with his death, the, uh, the sadness around it, the feelings of hopelessness, the feelings of being sort of disconnected from the world or like I stumbled into an alternate universe or, or something like that. Um, and, and just put it into some kind of project. And it made sense to me at that time. And I'm not even positive why that I should produce some kind of, of uh, rap about it. And as I got to working on it, uh, it became incredibly therapeutic. It became uh, incredibly satisfying to, to put these thoughts down, to have the space to be angry and to curse at everyone that, that I felt was involved and at fault and, and to uh, curse the industry that I think failed him and to just be frustrated with society because in my mind, it never had to go this way. Um, and, and so I, I, as I was working on it, it became this, this therapeutic thing for me. Uh, and somewhere along the line, I, I had the idea that this wasn't just going to be one song it was going to be uh, four to five songs and I was going to release it on the anniversary. And so October 10th of 2018, I released uh, what is called October 10th. And it, it was a five track mixtape that uh, tackled every emotion I dealt with uh, in the, the previous year and still deal with it. And, and so the first song was purely exactly what I felt. It was, he's gone. This is the day of, and I need to suit up for combat and take over the mantle and, and not process this at all. Um, and the second was a hundred percent me being angry at everyone involved, uh, and, and calling out the different industries that, that, uh, failed him. Uh, the third was sort of a break from reality and, and something I spent a lot of time talking about in therapy of feeling like somewhere along the lines, I like stepped through, into like Narnia or something. And I'm, I'm like, the world is exactly the same, but there's this one little detail missing. And, and because of that, I feel disconnected from it. Um, and, and the fourth was the last words he said to me. Uh, so it's called stay safe. And it was him uh, talking to me the, the weekend before he passed away that I, I was fortunate to be able to see him. Um, and, and then the fifth was more so a letter to him asking him to uh, both watch over me and also to watch me uh, prove him right because he was and probably always will be uh, my biggest, biggest supporter. He, he was the person who, regardless of how insane an idea I came to him with, uh, he would sit down and strategize with me how we could make it happen. Um, and, and so I credit him for everything I have, but also everything that I am. And, and so that that's why I ended up releasing it, even though it was originally meant to be more of a personal project.
Yeah, I love it, man. Well, I, I really, really deeply appreciate you sharing that story. And even more so, I'm grateful to be able to, to hear uh, why, why you did that, because I mean, that's just powerful stuff. And you, you can speak further about this, or you can, we can end the podcast here. But I really read this one quote that I thought was just really, really powerful. And I think it kind of ties everything together, especially because you, you mentioned how you're trying to prove people right. And you had somebody on your, and, uh, basically uh, on your side at all times of your life. Um, but again, I'll, I'll say the quote and I'll leave it up to you to whether expand or we can just end it there. But one of the biggest lessons, and I'm speaking as if that I'm used. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned from losing my father last year is the importance of family and keeping the ones you love close. You never know when you will part ways and dot, dot, dot. There's more to it. But I just think that line is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Um, so if you want to add on to it, go right ahead. If, if not, we could just end it right there. It's up to you. Here's what I would say that I think is important for anyone listening who might be going through something or, uh, God forbid, may go through something soon. Um, I saw my father the weekend before he passed away. There was absolutely no indication that he was going to pass away. And I wasn't originally planning to see him that weekend. Uh, there was a, a random series of events that led to me visiting uh, with my aunt that weekend. And to this day, it is the thing I am so incredibly grateful for. Because had I not seen him and, and then it, he passed, I don't know if I could have dealt with, with it as much as I've been able to. And so hold on to the people you have while you can and stop taking for granted the fact that they're there because one day they won't be and you don't know when that's going to happen. And I, I think we all logically know that, but until it ha like we wait until it happens to finally understand it. So, so please, please just hug the people you love, let them know that you love them and, and stop taking them for granted. Absolutely. Well, well, we'll end the conversation right there. And it was just an amazing episode of value and, and real, real life, raw story. So Craig, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell everybody a little bit more about where they could find you? Um, by the way, all the show, all the links that Greg is about to mention and the bio and how to contact him will be in the show notes. So check it out there. But Greg, just go right ahead. Just tell us where everybody can find you. Yeah, so if you, um, you're already listening to a podcast, honestly, the easiest thing you can do is just do a quick search for Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. It's a big orange artwork that says it on it, so you can't miss it. Um, and, and just give it a listen. If you, if you don't like it, totally understand. Not going to be for everybody, and I appreciate you taking some time. If you do like it, awesome, and, and I, I want to make sure I bring you more value. And so uh, give the show a listen. Find me on Instagram at Greg Clunas. Send me a DM to let me know your honest thoughts and I respond to everybody so we can have that conversation. Uh, and if you uh, are interested at all in the book, which takes the same concept of the, of the podcast, but tackles it from a different direction, uh, you can find that at tinyleapsbook.com and you can actually get a free chapter of the book guys if you want to try it before you buy it kind of thing at that same website tinyleavesbook.com very cool and again just as a reminder it's going to be in the show notes greg thank you so much for for your time i uh, really appreciate it thank you for having me
You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Greg Clunas. Incredible end to the episode. Again, absolute joy. Thank you, Greg, for taking the time to share your very deep and personal story. And I hope everybody that's listening got a lot out of it. I'm sending a worldwide challenge to those that are listening today. This week, go out there and get out of your comfort zone and do something you know you need to do but have been making excuses to why you haven't done yet. And then when you do that one thing, you seek discomfort, so to speak, by a huge inspirational uh, YouTubers, which is the Yes Theory. So seek discomfort. And when you do seek discomfort, tweet me at J or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. It tells me that you like this type of content. You can find more about Greg at gregclunas.com. He spells his name slightly unique. So it's Greg, G-R-E-G-G, Clunas, C-L-U-N-I-S.com. And you can learn more about the book that Greg is about to launch in early January. So make sure you check that out. And as for me, you can check out Penji at Penji.co if you need on-demand graphic design support for your business. Or just head over to tbeshow.com to listen to more episodes. It would mean the world to me if you were to be able to tell a friend on any of your and share this podcast with any of your friends on any type of podcasting network of your choosing. We're on all of them, people. So just Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and so many more. Uh, Again, if you enjoy this episode, just please share it with a friend. It would mean the world to me. As we end this episode, we need to put an emphasis on curing this disgusting disease that we call blindness in business. So your share, your like, your comment goes a long way. To everybody else that's still listening, go out there and execute your vision. Have a great rest of your day. Today's podcast feature is Greg Clunas of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, Wellness, Inspiration, Self-Help, and Motivation for Your Daily Life. Tiny Leaps, Big Changes is a self-help, wellness, motivation, and inspirational podcast about the day-to-day behaviors we all engage in that determine the results we gain in our lives. On this show, Greg shares simple personal development strategies that you can use as well as the habits that you could develop to get the most out of your life. Here's a quick glimpse of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes by Greg Clunas. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, I just want to break down the three super simple, super basic things you can do to get yourself motivated, excited, and pumped up. And yes, I know those are all three different words for the exact same thing, but that's what you're going to be feeling after you use these three strategies. And uh, one of the things I've noticed for myself is that it's really difficult. I actually talk about this in my upcoming book uh, called Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, by the way. But it's really difficult to get ourselves to start something. And it's not as hard to keep ourselves doing something. Now, I like to refer back to uh, a principle in physics, actually, that in that it's harder to get an object moving than it is to keep it moving. If you're trying to roll a boulder or something like that, it's much, much harder. It requires more physical force from you to push it forward to get that first bit of movement than it is to keep it movement, keep, keep it in motion. 